I am going to be speaking to you this morning about uh, our, our celebration campaign. It comes to an end today. So for all of those of you who hate talking about money, you can breathe a sigh of relief. <laughs> it's over. Um, for those of you who are visiting and you go and you say, I've been to their church, all they talk about is money. Well, today that will be true for you. But uh, normally we don't always talk about money. Uh, probably we hardly ever talk about money, to be very honest with you. We talk about lots and lots of other things. But money is important because without the financial support of God's people, we can't do what we do. Now, what we've been doing is trying to encourage people to be, at a minimum, just be a consistent giver in your life. Trust God. Be faithful in your giving. And you'll see what God will do in your life. Uh, but then we do this campaign every year. And what this is for money that you... You say, you know, what can I do? And then you decide, well, we can do something special. And what this allows us to do is it makes plans for the next year as to what we can do in terms of reaching out and building the church in new ways. Um, Now, what we've done is we have discussed uh, uh, about being very intentional in our giving. That's what I want to talk to you about today. People say, well, how do you get successful in life? I'll tell you, on purpose. That's how you get successful in life. You go to businessmen. How did you get to be a success? On purpose. It didn't just happen automatically. A lot of people think, well, you must have just been lucky. They're not lucky. They work hard. They, they, they take lots of risks. They, they pour out their hearts and they get to a certain place and, uh, and, and uh, then they're able to enjoy the fruits of their labor. Uh, people ask me, how have you been married to the same woman for 34 years? On purpose, intentionally. You do things intentionally. That's how. Life doesn't happen by accident. What happens by accidents is accidents. And disasters. And mistakes. And failures. And just like intentional living is the key to successful living, successful giving in a church is only works when people are intentional givers. Now, we've discussed for this next year's campaign what we're going to do. And basically, it can be summed up in one phrase. We are going to make an intentional effort to reach more people for Christ. That's what we're going to do. So why would we do that? Why don't we just focus on what we're doing here? And Why can't we just take money here? Why can't we just worry about what we do? Well, we have that in our regular giving. But what we want to do is think more about just us. It's about reaching out to people who don't know Christ. Who maybe have never been part of church life. Or maybe were part of a church and now they feel totally alienated from that church. Now's our chance to be able to reach out and connect with them. And, and, and show them the love of God. So that's what we're doing. Then we talked about, not just about what we're going to do, but how we're going to do it. And basically that boils down to a new approach to ministry that we have talked to you about over the last year since I've been here. And uh, it basically boils down to this concept about instead of all the emphasis in the church being on the pastor. You know, so many churches, I mean, there's all about the pastor, the senior pastor. And if I can't touch him and hold him and hug him and be there, I can't breathe. And it's all about the pastor. What if we built a church that wasn't just about the pastor? What if we did this biblically? Because biblically the Bible talks about the believers should be the priests. Not some special guy who got ordained. It's called the priesthood of the believer. Read your New Testament all the time. It talks about how we're all called to be priests to God. We're all called to serve. We're all called to minister. What if church became not about just one guy. But what if it became about a community of people. Who really cared about each other. And were there for one another. And encouraged and structured uh, uh, ministries. So that we could help each other. Wow, what could happen then? You see, there are over 400,000 churches in America today. 80% of them have about 100, 125 people in them. 
On the one hand, it's great there's so many churches, but how sad that we're so ineffective. Why are we so ineffective? Why do so many churches have a difficult time reaching out and connecting with more people? Because most of it spins around the one guy. And as successful as the one guy is, is how successful the church will be. That's why some, most of them are about 100, 125. Some are more successful, they get up to about 250 or so. Some, you know, 500, maybe 1,000. Think, wow, this guy's really something, great ministry. But it always hits a wall at some point. But in recent years, there's been a new thinking in church life. They're thinking, you know, what if we made church not about one guy, but about the fellowship of the believers? What if we structured it differently? And the churches that are doing this across the country are growing like crazy. They're coming unglued, man. They're just bursting out at the seams because it's not so much about one guy anymore as it is about the fellowship of the believer. And you've got some of the largest churches in the world that are just, just doing incredible things. Uh, virtually all the churches, the largest churches in, in America today, fastest growing ones, are doing this video campus idea that we're doing. We're connecting by video. It allows us to connect with other people and they, we don't have to have big buildings everywhere. And we don't, you know, if we try to get everybody in here, now it's a little down today because everybody came to the first service because the Packers are playing. But, uh, um, <laughs> Heaven forbid we miss that. But uh, um, the uh, uh, idea that we can actually not have to build everything into one gigantic building, which would cost us millions of dollars, but that we could get other facilities and stuff, and we could just connect via video. Each place has their own local campus pastor, their own local worship team, da-da-da, but yet we connect. So it's one church, just multiple locations. And the churches that are doing this are growing very, very strongly. Uh, Now, it messes with some people because there are people who are still kind of very much attached to the old model where it's about the pastor. It's got to be the pastor. If I can't, not just a pastor, it has to be the pastor, the one guy. If I can't touch the one guy, I can't make it. And it's it's just, you know, our model is we're not going to do church that way. Our church isn't going to be about that. Now, anybody who ever needs ministry in this church can find ministry anytime, 24 hours a day. Because we have a whole system of wonderful men and women who are trained and and, and skilled and know the Bible and that you can connect with on our staff. And we also have people, uh, you know, in the congregation where we connect with one another and all these wonderful groups. But it's not about just connecting with Marky. If this church is going to be just about Marky, we're doomed. Okay, because Marky can't do it all, doesn't want to do it all, can't do it all. I'm not much of an administrator. Most of you come to me and ask, you know, you come to me and ask me about stuff, what's going on in church. And I look at you like, I don't know, because I don't know. I don't get it. I don't watch every little thing. Pastor Latham knows what's going on. It's his job to administrate everything. And Mary knows everybody and she just about knows everybody's name. I barely know Mary's name. You know? What if church started becoming something different? And, and really, if you stop and think about it, the great ministries that are going on today, you've got huge churches like Joel Osteen, 40, 50,000 people go to his church. Do you think if you have an owie at his church, you can go see Joel? I don't think so. Rick Warren, who has this incredible ministry, church of 30,000, purpose-filled life, all this stuff. You think if you have an owie, Rick comes to see you? I don't think so. Why are these churches growing so successfully? Because it's not about the one guy. I mean, you see the one guy, you know, because he's preaching and and talking and stuff like that. But the ministry is done by the people. 
the priesthood of the believers where it's not just about connecting with one superstar anymore it's about connecting with one another and building church that way so that's what we're trying to do and in doing that now we're going to be able to reach out and launch other campuses so our goal uh, for next year uh, depending on uh, on what the Lord uh, doors that he opens for us and supplies us with our goal is to start a new campus in Appleton next year ideally we'd love to start a new one every year It would be great if we could do two a year. It would be fantastic if in 10 years from now, there will be 10, 15 new celebration campuses all over northeastern Wisconsin where we become a congregation, not of just 3,000, but of 10,000 and 15,000 and change people's lives. You say, well, there's other churches out there. Sure, but there's, you know, there, there could be new churches every day. I mean, there's, there's so many people, man. We're not reaching them all. We will reach and connect with people that nobody else will. I relate to people other people never relate, relate to. There's people who can't stand me. I can't imagine why. <laughs> because I love me so much. They just don't like me. They don't. They just are highly irritated. And they don't get up there, Mr. Funny. Ha, ha, ha. Acting funny in the pulpit. I'm not acting. This is me. This is just the way I am. Good grief. Take a pill or something. I'm tell- and, you know, so I get a call the, uh, the other day from somebody. says, Pastor, I got a revelation. God's doing something new. God wants to do something new in the church. I said, really? What is it? He says, he, he wants a pastor here that's always going to be here so that people can touch him. I said, that's not new. There's 400,000 churches where that's been like that for centuries now. It's one of the reasons Christianity doesn't grow faster. Because it's always about the one guy. So we're not going to do that. He said, well, there's people who miss that. There's 400,000 churches where you can get that. I trust, trust me. If you don't like this not being able to touch Marky deal... There's lots of church around here where the pastor's always there and if you sneeze, he'll come over and wipe your nose and, 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 and God bless them. Great, fabulous. But you know, that's why they're so small. They can't grow. Why? Because you can't, you don't have enough time to wipe all the noses. And one guy, and, he's, and, and you know, it's interesting. A lot of these guys, uh, you know, I'm not speaking of anybody in particular, but it, it's, it's, a, it's a common thing. A lot of these pastors and stuff, their, their, their personal lives struggle greatly. You guys know what I'm talking about. Their kids, you know, we call preachers' kids PKs. It's another phrase for hellion. Little demon possessed little snots that run all over the place, terrorizing places. Why? Because daddy's never there. A lot of their marriages stink, struggle. Why? Because the husband's never there. Because the pastor has to be there day and night. To touch everybody. It is a limited broken model. And it is not a biblical model. The scriptures never taught church that way. In fact the the apostles in the beginning. Specifically said. Look we're not going to deal with all this stuff. We're going to commit ourselves to doing what we do. Praying and preaching. That's all we're going to do. You get other guys to administrate. And to touch. And to do all these things. That is a church model. What if we hit that? What if it didn't become about one guy anymore? What if we could really do something phenomenal for the kingdom of God? And if you miss the one guy thing, you know, there's lots of churches that, that can give that for you. Where, you know, you're, you're going to be pretty disappointed uh, here. It's not about this. It's not about me. Even though you hear me preach. 
It's about Christ. It's about the church. And, and we don't all have to think the same. What if church was about people who don't all think the same? What if church isn't all just all the white people go here and all the black people go here and all the Hispanic people go here and all the poor people go here and all the rich... Goodness gracious, for a place that's supposed to be the kingdom of God, Sunday mornings are the most segregated hours of the world. What if church was about who cares what color you are? What if church was about who cares how much money you got? What if church doesn't matter if you got tattoos or not? All you tattooed people should say amen. (laughs) Got that many tattoo people, wow! (laughs) Say, Pastor, do you have a tattoo? I do not. Why not? Because I'm a girly man. (laughs) I have this this aversion to pain. (laughs) Some people go, how you do it? I have no idea. Oh my goodness gracious. Besides, I, I wouldn't be very convincing with tattoos. Just, some, some things just don't fit. You know what I'm talking about? Just, not going to happen. What if it didn't matter? What if, what if church could actually be about a place where not everybody agrees? Because churches, for the most part, is about everybody agreeing. In fact, you go to most churches, you go to classes, so you can learn how everyone must agree. And then when you're done, you have to sign a card saying, we agree to think like everyone agrees. And then we all agree to agree that way. And we just, good grief. What if, what if we had people here that didn't think the same? Wouldn't that be cool? But still liked each other. And still advanced the kingdom of God. There's some people here that, you know, they want to be baptized in water, completely under. There's others that just like getting sprinkled. I call it getting saved in spots. <laughs> you know what I mean. But anyway, uh, you know, what do we don't all have to agree about every little stinking thing? How about we agree to let's love God. Let's, let's follow the Bible. Let's, let's do our best. It's not about Marky. And then, and then we're talking about intentionally reaching out to people who, who haven't been reached yet. And we're talking about a lot of people are going to be the kind of people other people would not want to be around. What if we did that? You know, it's okay. Christianity has always been made up of a ragtag army of less than desirables. Did you know that? Look at Paul when he wrote to the Corinthians. He says, brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential, didn't have a lot of money. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Pastor, I'm weak. I struggle. I have a hard time getting this. You're just the people we want. So what do you mean? Why? Because God is going to take the weak and shame the strong. God's going to take the nothings and shame the somethings. God's going to take the nobodies and embarrass the somebodies. He's going to do something successful with our lives that other people will go, Hoochie Mama, check it out. They're a bunch of nitwits. How can they do that? They're nobodies, but yet they're succeeding in life. That's when God gets glory. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things, the things that are, are not, so he can nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. 
And we're going to do it by intentionally increasing our efforts and compelling others to give in. Jesus gave this great parable. I love this parable. In Luke, the 14th chapter, he says, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. And of course, he starts with people. You know, when you have a big banquet and stuff, you go to all the important people. People with money and all the people who know stuff. So at the type of the banquet, he sent a servant to tell those who had been invited, Well, come on, everything's ready. But they all began to make excuses. The first one said, Well, I've just bought a field. And I have to go see it. A little odd. Why would you buy a field if you haven't seen it yet? But he makes excuses. The other one says, I've just bought a five yoke of oxen. It's the new oxen BMW. And I have to go test drive it. Really? You bought an oxen BMW and you haven't test driven it yet? But he makes excuses. They're just making excuses. Another guy says, I just got married. We'll give him a break. (laughs) Other things on his mind. I just... We'll let that one go. Well, all these people, remember these are people with money. You got to have money to buy oxen and and land and all this other kind of stuff. And they were people of significance in the community. They were much too important to be busy with things that didn't directly concern them. See, church, to really connect with church is a little painful because it's not about you. It's about the greater good. It's about helping other people. Life isn't all about you, you young people. Life isn't all about you. The moon doesn't really follow you at night when you drive. (laughs) Well, the servant came back and reported to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry. He said, wow, those bunch of rats. Then he tells the servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of town and bring in the poor, the poor. Pastor, why would we reach out to the poor? They can't do anything for us. Exactly. Why would we reach out to the poor? He says, bring in the crippled, the blind, and the lame. The lame. Young people say, I don't like going to church. It's lame. Yeah. It's full of lame people. Look around you. We're just lame. We're just regular everyday people. Servant comes back and says, hey, we did what you said, but there's still room. Then the master told the servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in. King James says, compel them to come in. Do everything you can. Get them in. Get them in. Get them in. So many churches have high walls. You can't get in. You can't get in unless you've done this first. You can't get in unless you've done that first. And you can't get in unless you do this first. Where did we get that from? Because Jesus says, go out and grab all the poor, crippled, lame. Just grab people off the street. Drag them in. So we've talked about what we're going to do. Reach out to people. Talk about how we're going to do it. And then finally we talked about why we're doing it. And if you weren't here last Sunday, uh, you need to get a copy of the tape. It's probably the most emotional sermon I've ever preached in my life. But talking about why we're doing what we're doing. And the why is just because the love of Christ compels us. That's why. Why do you do what you do? Because of what he's done for me. Every once in a while I get criticism for people because I travel around and do this couple's ministry thing. Not very often, probably three times a year somebody has a cow. And uh, for two reasons. One is because I'm not there and they can't touch me all the time. I'm not being ministered to. 
Not by me you're not. But you can by somebody. But they accuse me of, you're more concerned about traveling and speaking than you are the church. I think, really? Is that what you think? Because honestly, I got to tell you, what we do when we travel, it's, it's not as much fun as you think. It's not, you think it's really a blast? Come with us. I see Janet here this morning. She travels with us. It's a real thrill, isn't it, Janet? Just day and night. Just woo Rocket Star City. Man, it wears us out. Sometimes we have great crowds. Sometimes we have crowds that you just soon choke to death. Why do you do it? Did God tell you to do it? No, he didn't. Then why do you do it? Just because if I can help somebody and I don't, that's wrong to me. If I can speak into some people's lives and save some families, I have to do that. And by you allowing me to do that, being part of this vision, you have to understand, there are families today, just from the last year, thousands of families who are together today who would have been divorced if we hadn't gotten to them. That's thousands of children who did not go through the pain and the heartache of losing dad and losing mom. Why? Because we went and we showed them how to succeed. We don't do this because we enjoy it. It's work. What I'd really like to do is just stay around here all the time. Play with my grandchildren. I'm a geezer now. (laughs) Enjoy life. Take it easy. I could be the touchy pastor. You could be around me all the time. Be much easier. I'll tell you what. And then I got people who do the opposite. Well, why do you pastor that church? Why do you pastor? Why don't you just don't shower? Why do you, why do you pastor that church? You just doing it for the money? Yeah. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> I already take jack squat from this church. I'm the lowest paid senior guy on staff here. And I just take some money because I still own two houses when I moved here. You want one? <laughs> money. You know how much money I get when I go out and speak? I get a lot of money when I go out and speak. It's how I really support my life and I don't have to take money from the church. In fact, our ministry here, I help pay for half of the salaries on some of these people that work for the church. So it doesn't come out of your pocket. I don't, I don't need applause for that. I'm not trying to get praise. I'm just saying... For a guy who's here for money, I'm, I'm really screwed up in the head. Because it's costing me a lot of money. I could take all that money and put it in my pocket. I don't. I do this because I love you guys. I love being here. I love speaking into your lives. I love the challenge of ministering to you. The thing I do out there, it's the same sermon every day. How exciting is that? People listen to me talk. That's amazing you can do that by memory. No, it's not. I've done it a million times. <laughs> You're doing my sleep with my eyes closed. Quote it verbatim. I'm not doing this for money. Goodness, girl, you know how much money it costs me being here? I mean, to forget the money that we give into this. I'm talking about, you know, the best time for a preacher to preach in front of huge crowds is on a Sunday morning. We turn down speaking requests all the time. People say, why don't you come and speak at this big thing and this big thing and this one church calls me and says, we can, we can have you. We've got seven services. 
We've got so many people here and you can come. And, and I say no. Because I need to be with you guys. I need to be here. Minister, I can't always get back when I can't. You know, Eddie or somebody shows up. It's not like we leave you hanging. But it's not because I don't want to be here. My heart is here. I want to be doing this stuff. Why do you do what you're doing? Why don't you just slow down and relax? Because of the love of Christ in my life compels me. If I can help people, I need to help them. It's wrong. The Bible says if you know to do good and don't do it, that's a sin to you. If someone's next to you and you can help that person and you don't just because, that's wrong for you. And God keeps blessing us, keeps opening up other opportunities. It's great. Sometimes I get a chance to speak for corporations. That's kind of fun. Jeez, talk about a bunch of morphine-filled people. (laughs) But they like me to come speak. God blesses us, makes it away. I got a call recently from a corporation in, where was it? Detroit. Said, we'd like you to come and do a 45-minute talk for our employees. Something, ugh. And we'll pay you $10,000. I said, let me pray about it. Yes. Some idiot's going to give me $10,000 to talk for 45 minutes. Sign me up. I'll do an hour and a half. (laughs) Now, we don't get those very often, so it's not like I'm a fat cat by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just a regular guy like you. Good grief. It's not about money. It's not about me. It's it's about, man, let's do this for God. So why do you care? Because I can be dead pretty soon. That was a lovely thought. Do you have any sense of your mortality? I do. And I hope I'm at least here for another 40 years, just making everybody as miserable as I can. Just (laughs) causing trouble. But that's still nothing. How many of you are at least 20 years of age? How many? At least 20, yeah? How fast did that go? How many of you are at least 40? How fast did that go? You got like one more of these. grief I want to make a difference in my life we're checking out of this joint there's a lay up treasures on earth here and all about me and I've never seen a hearse with a U-Haul can't take it with you why because God's love compels us that's why we're doing it so the final question becomes okay we have the special campaign what should I do now remember First of all, we're just encouraging people. Be regular givers. If you can't do anything else but be a regular tithing giver, just do that. that I'll be thrilled with that. But for people who say, you know, I could do more. Pastor, how much should I give? Well, the, the, the typical Christian answer is just ask the Lord to tell you what to give. That's the, you could hear that in every Christian church, every Christian TV station, radio station. across. And I, honestly, I don't know where these people get it from. It is the most unbiblical thing Christians do or say. Nowhere in the Bible does God tell anybody to give anything. Nowhere does it ever say, ask God to tell you what to give. Because then it's not giving. It's like if we were going to have a special offering today for Pastor Mark. Hallelujah. And, and <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> but then you just gave, you know, that's great. But if I said, okay, we're going to have a special offering for Pastor Mark. Great. Uh, you give $5, you, you give 1000 You give uh, $100 and you do this. And, and then we take the offering. Is that giving now? It's not giving. Now they're on the spot. Now they're compelled to give it. 
God doesn't tell you what to give. So where do you get that from? This very odd place called the Bible. Let's look at 2 Corinthians. Paul says this, remember this. Everybody say remember. remember. Why does he say remember this? Because you're going to forget it as soon as you leave here today. <laughs> remember this. Whoever gives a little is going to get a little. Whoever gives a lot will get a lot. It's just that simple. Well, how much should we give, Paul? He says, each man should give what God has spoken in his heart to give. Is that what the Bible says? No, it's funny because that's what everybody seems to say all the time. It says every man should give what he's decided in his heart to give. Well, based on what? Based on what he just said. Give a little, get a little. Give a lot, get a lot. Decide. It's just that simple. This really isn't that complicated. Give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. People say, why do you guys clap when you take the offerings here? Because God loves a cheerful giver. We're doing this because we want to, not because we have to. And check this out. When you do this, God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need. Everybody say, all that you need. Woo! How many would love to have all that you need? <laughs> Give. So I don't believe that. That's why you don't have all that you need. Give you all that you need so you can bound to every good work as it is written. Then he quotes from the Old Testament. He has scattered his, uh, brought his gifts to the poor. God's a giver. His righteousness endures forever. And then he says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. So, check it out. God knows you need to eat. You don't have to give away everything God gives you. He knows you need to eat. You need bread for food. But what I've encouraged you is don't eat all your seed. God blesses people with seed and then they just eat it all. They say, oh, I can't give. Of course not. You just ate everything. And we eat everything we touch. And then we get credit cards and we eat stuff we can't get. And we just get. Praise God. I just, God spoke to me today. Yeah? Yeah. 90 days, same as cash. (laughs) That isn't God blessing you. Quit eating everything that you touch. He knows you need the bread. You need to live. No one is suggesting you put your family at risk in any way, shape, or form. I promise you, that's not me saying that. You have to take care of your family. That's number one. It really isn't. I mean, you you should tie. That's the the biblical principle. But I'm talking this extra giving. You need to take care of your family. The Bible says if you don't take care of your family, you're, you're worse than an infidel. But if you're doing this right and you don't eat all your seed, you're able to take some and you're able to plant it. Say here. For some of you, it's a lot. For some of you, it's just a couple of grains. Every man should give as he's determined in his heart. All you got to do is say, what can I do? Don't wait for some revelation. Just say, what can I do? Some people are saying, you know what? We're looking at our cash reserves. We're worth, I probably got $50,000 cash that I have access to. Well, I'm just going to tithe off of that. I'm going to give $5,000 to this campaign. Some people are thinking like that. Other people are thinking, you know, I go to Starbucks every day. It costs me five bucks a day. So I'm going to give 25 bucks and quit going to Starbucks. You know, so it doesn't matter. It's whatever you decide to do. By the way, I go to Starbucks every day. I'm not a hypocrite when you see me. All right? Because <laughs> I didn't say I was going to do that. <laughs> Some of other people are saying they're going to do that. Not me. I'm eating the Starbucks. I like it. All right? But I am going to do something. What are you going to give? None of your stinking business. I'm just going to look and say, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Well, I don't know. Based on... Uh, okay, let, let's do this. Why would you do that? Because you have to? No. Why do it? Because we can. And we're motivated by the love of God to reach out, to help others, to give. 
And he says, now he who supplies seed for the, for, to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your, your harvest of righteousness. And you will be made rich in every way. Every, every way. Listen to some of these testimonials we've gotten in the email. I've taken the tithing challenge. Since I began to tithe, my business is bursting at the seams. And more business seems to be coming in every day. I'm happy every day and I've realized the joy in my life that everyone should experience. My wife and I are reconciling our marriage. See, rich in every way. It's not just money. All these things have been made possible through the workings of God. Another person says, we started tithing. We're able to pay all our bills on time now. See, that's the weird thing about it. You sow and then God blesses the store of seeds so you have more. I don't believe that. That's why you struggle. But for those of you who believe that, this is what happens. He ins- you actually start getting better off. He says, we are now, uh, more than a year later, our income has tripled. And we've been able to move out of our apartment into a house. And we're still tithing. Another testimony came in. We began to pray over our tithe and offerings and got happy that we could give to provide for the kingdom of God. Wonderful things have happened since we changed our attitude. God blessed me with a new job uh, when, when I was happy and not even looking for a new job. It has better benefits, including a big Yo Mama signing bonus. To us, giving is just not the right thing to do, but it's, it gives God an opportunity to just demonstrate his ability to bless your life. We've got stories like this over and over and over and over and over again. God wants to bless you so you can be rich in every way so that you can become a fat cat. Is that what it says? Rich in every way so that you can just sit around and eat everything that you touch. No, no, no. He's going to bless you why? So you can be generous on every occasion. God blesses people who are generous because he knows they'll be more generous. It's just that simple. Not complicated. Ultimately, God wants you to be blessed so that you can bless other words. So, priority number one. Just be a consistent giver. If you can't do more than just that in your life, that's fine. This is no big compulsion thing, no big uh, uh, stretch thing. I want uh, our ushers to come down. They're going to hand out as we bring this campaign to an end, and then you can all breathe again, so I don't keep talking about money. But uh, I think for a few weeks, a year, you can handle this uh, to, to, to do things right. And listen, I'm not trying to get anything out of you. I'm trying to see you guys get blessed. I want to see more stories like this. I want to see more stories where your life is better, that everything's working for you now, that, that you have more than you had before, because God blesses those who give. It's just that, that very simple. So number one, what we want to do is just be consistent givers. And then out of the abundance and the ability that you have, you look and say, what can we do? And then you decide. Mark, how do we decide? Very simple. If you give a little, you'll be blessed a little. If you give more, you'll be blessed more. So you want to be as generous as you can. But again, no one's saying put yourself at risk. No one says get yourself in trouble. Just if you can, if God has blessed you, now's your chance to reach out and do something Beyond normal. Because what we're going to do, based on what you guys will do, will determine what we're going to do next year. We've told you what we want to do. We want to start a campus in Appleton. We want to increase our outreach capabilities. We want to reach out to people. We can only do it based on what comes in for this. Because the regular giving goes for just the operation of the church. We barely make it. You know. Now there's been a miracle this year in the church. Last year this church was upside down financially like you cannot believe. In one year... We went from being in the toilet to actually being in the black. It's a miracle, guys. You have no idea the miracle. Everybody is stunned that knows what's going on. And, and when I say, I'm talking barely, it's like our nose. Just, you know I mean, it's not like we're, you know, making out like bandits around here. But that's the normal giving. When people give faithfully, that lets us to do 
the ministry that we need to do. This is extra money. says, you know, I'm going to give a little extra because I want to see us reach more people. That's what it is. Do what you can. Not what you have to. No one looks at, I mean, I don't look at this. They look at it, but I don't look at it. I, I'll have no idea if you gave a million dollars or, well, I'd probably find out if you gave a million. <laughs> I'm sure they'd have a hard time keeping that a secret. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to find out whether you give a lot of money or a little money or whatever. Like, it's, it's not about that. It's just about advancing the kingdom. So, hand out these cards. Go ahead and pass those out. And all you got to do is fill us out and say, okay, this is what we can do for next year. This is our plan for next year. And if you're not prepared to make the decision today, bring it back next Sunday and put it in there. We can do this over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but this is just saying, this is what we're going to do. And uh, while you're doing that, handing those out, I have a video clip I want to show you. Think God can't use you? Think he only uses perfectly qualified people? Take a closer look. Moses was not a great speaker. Jonah ran from God. Jacob was a liar. Noah got drunk. Rahab was a prostitute. David had an affair. Jeremiah was depressed a lot. Solomon was rich in wisdom, but poor in lifestyle. John the Baptist was just plain poor. Timothy was too young. Abraham was too old. Lazarus was dead. Sarah was barren. Naomi was a widow. Gideon and Thomas both doubted. And so did Sarah. Peter lacked self-control. James and John were self-righteous. Paul had a short fuse. Well, so did Peter and Moses. Actually, lots of people did. God's army isn't perfect. It never has been. It's the march of the unqualified. Get in line. Hello. 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 What is that? So if you feel unqualified this morning, if you feel like you can't make a real big difference, you're just the people we're looking for. It's the army of the unqualified. It's the army of the not special. It's the army of the small and the simple. That, uh, and just join with us as we continue to build this church, doing church in a way that's different than church has been done for a long time. Let's see what can happen. What can happen if we start doing things in a way that allows God to have the greatest reign in our lives.